Section 81 of England, Scotland, Ireland and Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World's Story, Volume 10, England, Scotland, Ireland and Wales. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 81. Was in Tirnanog? an irish folk story the following is a good example of the folk story of ireland it is a fascinating commingling of the real and fictitious finn macumhael st patrick the jews and the druids abide together in the utmost harmony whether their home is pictured as in the fabled country of youth or on the very substantial hill called knockanar is entirely immaterial there is unrestrained fancy and a wild luxuriance of imagination. The narrative roams on from one incident to another, with little attempt at definite construction. The ending may be the climax of some episode of the story, but often it provides nothing by way of climax to the tale as a whole. This tale of Wazin, Ossian, is one of the folk tales collected by Jeremiah Curtin in Ireland in 1887, taken from the lips of Gaelic-speaking persons. The Editor There was a king in Tirnanoc, the land of youth, who held the throne and crown for many a year against all comers, and the law of the kingdom was that every seventh year the champions and best men of the country should run for the office of king. Once in seven years they all met at the front of the palace and ran to the top of a hill two miles distant. On the top of the hill was a chair, and the man that sat first in the chair was king of Ternanoth for the next seven years. After he had ruled for ages, the king became anxious. He was afraid that someone might sit in the chair before him and take the crown off his head. So he called up his druid one day and asked, How long shall I keep the chair to rule this land, and will any man sit in it before me and take the crown off my head? You will keep the chair and the crown for ever, said the druid, unless your own son-in-law takes them from you. The king had no sons and but one daughter, the finest woman in Tirnanok and the like of her could not be found in Erin or any kingdom in the world. When the king heard the words of the druid, he said, I'll have no son-in-law, for I'll put the daughter in a way no man will marry her. Then he took a rod of druidic spells, and calling the daughter up before him, he struck her with the rod, and put a pig's head on her in place of her own. Then he sent the daughter away to her own place in the castle, and turning to the druid said, There's no man that will marry her now. When the druid saw the face that was on the princess with the pig's head that the father gave her, he was very sorry that he had given such information to the king, and some time after he went to see the princess. Must I be this way for ever? asked she of the druid. You must, said he, till you marry one of the sons of Finn Macumhael in Erin. If you marry one of Finn's sons, you'll be freed from the blot that is on you now, and get back your own head and countenance. 
When she heard this, she was impatient in her mind, and could never rest till she left Tiernanok and came to Erin. When she had inquired, she heard that Finn and the Fenians of Erin were at that time living on Nokanar, and she made her way to the place without delay, and lived there a while. And then she saw Huazim. He pleased her, and when she found out that he was a son of Finn Macumhel, she was always making up to him and coming towards him. And it was usual for the Fenians in those days to go out hunting on the hills and mountains, and in the woods of Erin, and when one of them went, he always took five or six men with him to bring home the game. On a day Huazin set out with his men and dogs to the woods, and he went so far, and killed so much game, that when it was brought together the men were so tired, weak and hungry, that they couldn't carry it but went away home and left him with the three dogs, Bran, Sheolab, and Buglin, to shift for himself. Now the daughter of the king of Tirnanok, who was herself the queen of youth, followed closely in the hunt all that day, and when the men left Wazin, she came up to him, and as he stood looking at the great pile of game and said, I am very sorry to leave behind anything that I've had the trouble of killing. She looked at him and said, Tie up a bundle for me, and I'll carry it to lighten the load off you. Wazin gave her a bundle of the game to carry, and took the remainder himself. The evening was very warm and the game heavy, and after they had gone some distance, Wazin said, Let us rest a while. Both threw down their burdens and put their backs against a great stone that was by the roadside. The woman was heated and out of breath, and opened her dress to cool herself. Then Wazin looked at her and saw her beautiful form and her white bosom. Ah, oh, then, said he, it's a pity you have the pig's head on you, for I have never seen such an appearance on a woman in all my life before. Well said she, my father is the king of Tirnanok, and I was the finest woman in his kingdom, and the most beautiful of all, till he put me under a druidic spell, and gave me the pig's head that's on me now in place of my own. And the druid of Tirnanok came to me afterwards, and told me that if one of the sons of Finn Macumhale would marry me, the pig's head would vanish and I should get back my face in the same form as it was before my father struck me with the druid's wand. When I heard this, I never stopped till I came to Erin, where I found your father, and picked you out among the sons of Finn Macumhale, and followed you to see would you marry me and set me free. If that is the state you're in, and if marriage with me will free you from the spell, I'll not leave the pig's head on you long. So they got married without delay, not waiting to take home the game or to lift it from the ground. That moment the pig's head was gone, and the king's daughter had the same face and beauty that she had before her father struck her with the druidic wand. Now, said the queen of youth to Huazin, I cannot stay here long. And unless you come with me to Tiernanok, 
we must part. Oh, said Oazim, wherever you go, I'll go, and wherever you turn, I'll follow. Then she turned, and Oazim went with her, not going back to Nokan-Nar to see his father or his son. That very day they set out for Tirnanok, and never stopped, till they came to her father's castle. And when they came there was a welcome before them, for the king thought his daughter was lost. That same year there was to be a choice of a king, and when the appointed day came at the end of the seventh year, all the great men and the champions and the king himself met together at the front of the castle, to run and see who should be first in the chair on the hill. But before a man of them was halfway to the hill, Wazin was sitting above in the chair before them. After that time, no one stood up to run for the office against Wazin, and he spent many a happy year as king in Tirnanog. At last he said to his wife, I wish I could be an errand today to see my father and his men. If you go, said his wife, and set foot on the land of Erin, you'll never come back here to me, and you'll become a blind old man. How long do you think it is since you came here? Ah, oh, about three years, said Wazim. It is three hundred years, said she, since you came to this kingdom with me. If you must go to Erin, I'll give you this white-faced steed to carry you. But if you come down from the steed, or touch the soil of Erin with your foot, the steed will come back that minute, and you'll be where he left you, a poor old man. I'll come back, never fear, said Wazin. Have I not good reason to come back? But I must see my father and my son and my friends in Erin once more. I must have even one look at them. She prepared the steed for Wazim and said, This steed will carry you wherever you wish to go. Wazim never stopped till the steed touched the soil of Erin, and he went on until he came to Knockpatrick in Munster, where he saw a man herding cows. In the field where the cows were grazing, there was a broad, flat stone. Will you come here, said Wazin to the herdsman, and turn over this stone? Indeed, then, I will not, said the herdsman, for I could not lift it, nor twenty men more like me. Wazin rode up to the stone, and reaching down, caught it with his hand and turned it over. Underneath the stone was the great horn of the Fenians, Borabu, which circled round like a seashell. And it was the rule that when any of the Fenians of Erin blew the Borabu, the others would assemble at once from whatever part of the country they might be in at the time. Will you bring this horn to me? asked Wazin of the herdsman. I will not, said the herdsman for neither I nor many more like me could raise it from the ground. With that, Wazin moved near the horn, and reaching down, took it in his hand. But so eager was he to blow it, that he forgot everything, and slipped in reaching, till one foot touched the earth. In an instant, the steed was gone, and Wazin lay on the ground, 
a blind old man. The herdsman went to St. Patrick, who lived nearby, and told him what happened. St. Patrick sent a man and a horse for Wazin, brought him to his own house, gave him a room by himself, and sent a boy to stay with him, to serve and take care of him. And St. Patrick commanded his cook to send Wazin plenty of meat and drink, to give him bread and beef and butter every day. Now, Wazin lived a while in this way. The cook sent him provisions each day, and Sir Patrick himself asked him all kinds of questions about the old times of the Fenians of Erin. Wazin told him about his father, Finn Macumhale, about himself, his son Osgar, Gol Macmorna, Conan Maol, Diamuid, and all the Fenian heroes, how they fought, feasted, and hunted, how they came under druidic spells, and how they were freed from them. At the same time, St. Patrick was putting up a great building, but what his men used to put up in the daytime was levelled at night, and St. Patrick lamented over his losses in the hearing of Wazin. Then Wazin said in the hearing of St. Patrick, If I had my strength and my sight, I'd put a stop to the power that is levelling your work. Do you think you'd be able to do that? said St. Patrick, and let my building go on. I do indeed, said Wazin. So St. Patrick prayed to the Lord, and the sight and strength came back to Wazin. He went to the woods and got a great club and stood at the building on guard. What should come in the night but a great beast in the form of a bull, which began to uproot and destroy the work? But if he did, Wazin faced him, and the battle began hot and heavy between the two. But in the course of the night, Huazin got the upper hand of the bull and left him dead before the building. Then he stretched out on the ground himself and fell asleep. Now, St. Patrick was waiting at home to know how would the battle come out, and thinking Huazin too long away, he sent a messenger to the building. And when the messenger came, he saw the ground torn up, a hill in one place, and a hollow in the next. The bull was dead, and was in sleeping after the desperate battle. He went back and told what he saw. Oh, said St. Patrick, it's better to knock the strength out of him again, for he'll kill us all if he gets vexed. St. Patrick took the strength out of him, and when Wazin woke up he was a blind man, and the messenger went out and brought him home. Wazin lived on for a time as before. The cook sent him his food, the boy served him, and St. Patrick listened to the stories of the Fenians of Erin. St. Patrick had a neighbour, a Jew, a very rich man, but the greatest miser in the kingdom. And he had the finest haggard, hay-yard, of corn in Erin. Well, the Jew and St. Patrick got very intimate with one another, and so great became the friendship of the Jew for St. Patrick at last, that he said he'd give him, for the support of his house, as much corn as one man could thrash out of the haggart in a day. When St. Patrick went home after getting the promise of the corn, he told in the hearing of Wazin about what the Jew had said. Oh, then, said Wazin, if I had my sight and strength, 
I'd thrash as much corn in one day as would do your whole house for a twelve-month and more. Will you do that for me? said St. Patrick. I will, said Wazim. St. Patrick prayed again to the Lord, and the sight and strength came back to Wazim. He went to the woods next morning at daybreak, Wazim did, pulled up two fine ash trees and made a flail of them. After eating his breakfast, he left the house, and never stopped till he faced the haggard of the Jew. Standing before one of the stacks of wheat, he hit at a wallop of his flail, and broke it asunder. He kept on in this way till he slashed the whole haggard to and fro, and the Jew running like mad up and down the high road in front of the haggard, tearing the hair from his head when he saw what was doing to his wheat, and the face gone from him entirely. He was so in dread of Wazin. When the haggard was thrashed clean, Wazin went to St. Patrick and told him to send his men for the wheat, for he had thrashed out the whole haggard. When St. Patrick saw the countenance that was on Wazin and heard what he had done, he was greatly in dread of him and knocked the strength out of him again. And Wazin became an old blind man as before. St. Patrick's men went to the haggard and there was so much wheat they didn't bring the half of it away with them, and they didn't want it. Wazin again lived for a while before, and then he was vexed because the cook didn't give him what he wanted. He told St. Patrick that he wasn't getting enough to eat. Then St. Patrick called up the cook before himself and Wazin, and asked her what she was giving Wazin to eat. She said, I give him at every meal what bread is baked on a large griddle, and all the butter I make in one churn, and a quarter of beef besides. That ought to be enough for you, said St. Patrick. Oh, then, said Wazin, turning to the cook, I have often seen the leg of a blackbird bigger than the quarter of beef you give me. I have often seen an ivy leaf bigger than the griddle on which you bake the bread for me. And I have often seen a single rowan, mountain ash, Berry, bigger than the bit of butter you give me to eat. You lie, said the cook. You never did. Wazin said not a word in answer. Now, there was a hound in the place that was going to have her first whelps, and Wazin said to the boy who was tending him, Do you mind and get the first whelp she'll have and drown the others? Next morning the boy found three whelps, and coming back to Wazin, said, There are three whelps, and it is unknown which of them is the first. At St. Patrick's house they had slaughtered an ox the day before, and Wazin said, Go now, and bring the hide of the ox, and hang it up in this room. When the hide was hung up, Wazin said, Bring here the three whelps, and throw them up against the hide. The boy threw up one of the whelps against the oxhide. What did he do? asked Wazin. What did he do? said the boy, but fall to the ground. Throw up another, said Wazin. The boy threw another. What did he do? asked Wazin. What did he do but fall the same as the first? The third whelp was thrown, and he held fast to the hide. Didn't fall. What did he do? asked Wazin. Oh, said the boy, he kept his hold. 
Take him down, said Wazin. Give him to the mother. Bring both in here. Feed the mother well and drown the other two. The boy did as he was commanded and fed the two well. And when the whelp grew up, the mother was banished, the whelp chained up and fed for a year and a day. And when the year and a day were spent, Wazin said, We'll go hunting tomorrow, and we'll take the dog with us. They went next day, the boy guiding Huazin, holding the dog by a chain. They went first to the place where Huazin had touched earth and lost the magic steed from Tirnanok. The borobu of the Fenians of Erin was lying on the ground there still. Huazin took it up and they went on to Glen Nasmui, Thrush's Glen. When at the edge of the glen, Huazin began to sound the borobu. Birds and beasts of every kind came hurrying forward. He blew the horn till the glen was full of them from end to end. What do you see now? asked he of the boy. The glen is full of living things. What is the dog doing? He is looking ahead, and his hair is on end. Do you see anything else? I see a great bird, all black, settling down on the north side of the glen. That's what I want, said Wazin. What is the dog doing now? Oh, the eyes are coming out of his head, and there isn't a rib of hair on his body that isn't standing up. Let him go now, said Wazin. The boy let slip the chain, and the dog rushed through the glen, killing everything before him. When all the others were dead, he turned to the great blackbird and killed that. Then he faced Wazin and the boy and came bounding toward them with venom and fierceness. Wazin drew out of his bosom a brass ball and said, If you don't throw this into the dog's mouth, he'll destroy us both. Knock the dog with the ball or he'll tear us to pieces. Oh, said the boy, I'll never be able to throw the ball. I'm so in dread of the dog. Come here at my back then, said Wazin, and straighten my hand towards the dog. The boy directed the hand, and Wazin threw the ball into the dog's mouth, and killed him on the spot. "'What have we done?' asked Wazin. "'Oh, the dog is knocked,' said the boy. "'We are all right, then,' said Wazin. "'And do you lead me now to the blackbird of the Khan? I don't care for the others.' They went to the great bird, kindled a fire, and cooked all except one of its legs. Then Wazin ate as much as he wanted, and said, I've had a good meal of my own hunting, and it's many and many a day since I've had one. Now let us go on farther. They went into the woods, and soon Wazin asked the boy, Do you see anything wonderful? I see an ivy with the largest leaves I have ever set eyes on. Take one leaf of that ivy said Huazin. The boy took the leaf. Near the ivy they found a rowan berry, and then went home taking the three things with them, the blackbird's leg, the ivy leaf, and the rowan berry. When they reached the house, Huazin called for the cook, and St. Patrick made her come to the fore. When she came, Huazin pointed to the blackbird's leg, and asked, Which is larger? That leg, or the quarter of beef you give me? 
Oh, that is a deal larger, said the cook. You were right in that case, said St. Patrick to Huazin. Then Huazin drew out the ivy leaf and asked, Which is larger, this or the griddle on which you made bread for me? That is larger than the griddle and the bread together, said the cook. Right again, said St. Patrick. Huazin now took out the rowan berry and asked, Which is larger, this berry or the butter of one churning which you give me? Oh, that is bigger, said the cook, than both the churn and the butter. Right, every time, said St. Patrick. Then Wazim raised his arm and swept the head off the cook with a stroke from the edge of his hand, saying, You'll never give the lie to an honest man again. End of section 81